0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Hey everyone, it's Major Garrett and welcome to our new podcast. Did you know we have a new feed completely separate from the takeout as well? Please just search Debriefing the Briefing. Click subscribe and then if you can and we'd really love this, drop us a rating and or a review. Pretty soon you'll have to be subscribed to the new feed if you want to hear new episodes. Of Debriefing the Briefing. Thank you, and now let's start the show.
1: Things are moving along. Really a uh, horrible situation that we've been confronted with, but they're moving along. What's remarkable to me as a layperson, Mr. President, is because of this partnership you've forged, we're We're almost there. Uh, Some will be a little bit different. The areas are much different. Manhattan is much different than Montana. Maryland and other states said they've seen a spike in people uh, using disinfectant. I can't imagine why. I can't imagine why. Yeah. Take any responsibility? No, I don't. No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that.
0: From CBS Audio, this is Debriefing the Briefing. Here's CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett. Hello from Washington, and welcome to Debriefing the Briefing, a summary of the daily White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing. The Monday briefing was first canceled, then put back on the schedule as a quote-unquote presidential press conference. We want you to know whatever form and with whatever future frequency White House Coronavirus Task Force briefings take, we will be here Monday through Friday with developments at the federal and state level, and we will be joined on the most timely basis we can achieve by medical experts and others participating in the historic, life-altering, and ever-evolving story of America amid COVID-19. The Monday briefing focused almost entirely on testing capacity, with promises from the White House and guidelines sent to states about merging testing with the reopening of state economies. There was a promise to vastly expand testing and the availability of it at the local level with grocery stores and pharmacies saying they would be soon providing point of contact testing either in pharmacies or grocery stores or in parking lots. It was noted that 5.4 million tests have been conducted so far and a promise that by the end of May 8 million tests will be processed.
1: We will according to the governor's
0: plans for next month we will easily double that $4 million number. Then there was a the question of reopening the economy, which means business survivability, and loans from the federal government. The Paycheck Protection Program reopened for a second time, but there was a glitch in the system. The website crashed, and that created frustration among some businesses patiently waiting for their loans. I
1: heard there was a uh, glitch. We'll find out whether or not that's so. Uh, certainly it did work out very well for the original amount of money. This is the second amount, and I'll find out about
0: that. We talked to the Credit Union National Association President and CEO Jim Nussel about that very topic. I know it's a lot of money, and I know there's a lot of demand, but uh, shouldn't that functionality have been, if not guaranteed, more reliable?
1: It should have been, and it should have been tested during the during the period of time from the first 12 days, which was about two weeks ago, until today, when they knew that both they were going to get more resources and there was going to be a long line a long queue of applications uh, that were going to need to you know to get processed immediately so that functionality needed to be there and i all i'm saying when i talk about patients is that we're in unprecedented times i think all of us are willing to roll with some punches but a few of these punches have been to the gut and that makes it very difficult uh, to help the people that, that obviously we all intend to try and help through this program.
0: And Jim, we've talked to people who are trying to keep their businesses alive at this time, and they express to us that days mean everything. And days of delays at this point for them could mean the difference between holding on and collapsing.
1: You're exactly right. I mean, I've seen, I've seen situations. I had a couple just today where I heard about a credit union uh, that was, uh, I mean, our typical loan is about $64,000 uh, versus some of the, some of the national average, I think, is which is over $300,000. So we're talking about very small loans that we're doing with credit unions. But these are the mom and pop stores that you see driving through Main Street of just about any town, and there are one, two, five employees, but boy, those jobs are important in in the towns that we're talking about, and they will make the difference in many instances uh, for the business to stay open or for those people to be able to put food on the table uh, during these coming weeks that uh, there's going to be this kind of economic uncertainty.
0: So it's safe to assume that many members of credit unions did not receive PPP loans during the first 12 days. And with the system crashing on the first day of its second entrance into this market, each and every day looms larger and ever more critical.
1: So we were just told that the system is back up. I mean, this is a live fire exercise, as you can imagine. So it crashed this morning, at 1030 it's we're told that this afternoon it's back up and processing the jury is still out but we're going to keep at this i mean credit unions feel like we're the kind of the the financial first responders because this is often one of the first places a person goes in, a, in a, any kind of disaster natural disaster economic disaster they check their account or they try and figure out how they're going to make their business or pay their bills and uh, so we're on the front line of that big and small, mostly small, and we want to make sure that the program works. So we're going to stick with it even when it crashes, but it is frustrating and it's got to keep going, chugging along if we're going to get these folks through the, uh, through the crisis that they're finding themselves in now.
0: I'd like to get your point of view on the following assessment, which I've heard from others, uh, two significant structural flaws in the way the Paycheck Protection Program was originally put together? One, first come, first serve. Two, existing relationships with banks. Are those flaws or just what you had to do to make it work initially?
1: It's a fair question. And there's always Monday morning quarterbacking that you can do. And and so I, I think those are two important first things to consider, no question. But there had to have been a third and a fourth consideration in order to be able to get in line. It couldn't just be uh, that those that were sophisticated enough to be able to make the application, uh, you know, are the only ones that get serviced. Or those that have uh, a, uh, an existing relationship with a, a bank or credit union, because many people are able to make these uh, small businesses go without any kind of loan or loan servicing through an institution. They're able to do it just kind of at their kitchen table. Uh, They built it that way, and they're very frugal about the way their business operates. So both of those, I think, were fallacies to be the only way that you could enter the system.
0: And there is an assumption out there, Jim, that Shake Shack, Ruth Chris, Los Angeles Lakers, just to name three, all of whom received money through the Paycheck Protection Program and are now publicly announcing giving it back, that they shouldn't have even been involved in the first place. Now, that's just an assumption that's out there. If you meet the criteria and you apply, you're fairly able to access this money. Now, you may have a public relations problem on your hand, but that doesn't mean you've broken any rules or done anything necessarily wrong. What's your perspective on that? Since your members are not the Los Angeles Lakers, Ruth, Chris, or Shake Shack.
1: Well, and you're right. I mean, it's it's hard to reflect on any of those. Those those tend to be the ones that stick out like sore thumbs because we all we all know that they're obviously big or something must not be right about that. But clearly, they made it through the system in, in some way, shape, or form. So I think what we what what is more concerning are the ones that still have no answer, that have still not gone through the system, that are waiting for a system that has crashed or waiting for money that wasn't appropriated to start with. I think that's more frustrating to me than than hearing the the instances, you know, like a shake shack or something like that. I just want to make sure that and I think our credit unions that serve them are are so interested in making sure that these small small businesses that are really the lifeblood out there and they're the beginning of big businesses. Shake shack started as a, as a one-store operation, and that's true for everybody. So we want to make sure that they're surviving, and most importantly, the people that, that are working for them and that we're serving through this
0: program. That's the voice of Jim Nussel, President and CEO of the Credit Union National Association. We thank him. And that's all for this episode of CBS Audio's Debriefing the Briefing. Until next time, I'm Major Garrett in Washington.